Several years ago, researchers at Stanford University performed what is now famously called the Marshmallow Experiment, where kids ages four to six years old were led into a room empty of all distractions except for a chair and a table and a plate and one single beautiful marshmallow. The children were told by their guests that they could eat the marshmallow if they liked, if they wished, but if they waited just 15 minutes, these are four to six-year-olds, they would be rewarded with a second marshmallow to go with the first. After the researchers left the room, hidden cameras caught the kids covering their eyes with their hands. Not a bad move. Others turned around in the chair so they couldn't see the marshmallow and be tempted by it. Some started kicking their desks to pass the time. Others tugged on their pigtails. As they all waited, they struggled to wait for what seemed like an eternity. Fifteen minutes in front of one single marshmallow. Amazingly, only a small percentage of kids ate the marshmallow right at the beginning. Perhaps they were hungry or had no time for games. (laughs) And of those who attempted to wait, an impressive one-third waited long enough to get the second marshmallow. Now, as fascinating as the marshmallow experiment was, it is what the researchers learned after. It's what they learned later, well into adulthood for these kids, that I think is so telling for us today. In follow-up studies, researchers found that the kids who were able to wait for that second marshmallow tended to have better life outcomes. As measured by SAT scores, educational attainment, even body mass index. (laughs) It seems the ones who resisted the temptation of instant gratification, the ones who waited and held out for that second marshmallow, ended up faring better in life. Today's service is full of promises, bold promises, and magnificent proclamations. In both the music and the readings, we have been reminded of all that God intends to do. And what God intends to do is find a way in the wilderness to make the desert bloom and to construct a highway that no fool can get lost on. The power of God is coming, we are told, like a cloud that will cover the earth. There will be this child who is God's Son, born for us, with us, and among us. And this little baby is going to set us free. The blind will see, the lame will walk, the lepers will be cleansed, the deaf will have their ears unstopped, the dead will rise, and the poor will have good news brought to them. These are the things for which we hope, and for which we wait, and wait, And wait. Which is why the last reading 
for this third Sunday of Advent. The short reading from the letter of James is so important for us to hear, for it speaks of our need to wait patiently for the coming of the Lord. So much of our trouble with God, I think, comes from the fact that God doesn't work on our schedule. God doesn't seem to fit our timeline. God doesn't seem to be in that much of a hurry to get things done. We pray for a healing over and over, and it doesn't come. We long for peace for ourselves, for others, for this world, and it doesn't come. We ask for a deeper understanding of our purpose and our place in this world, and it doesn't come. We proclaim that God is good all the time, and then we wait and wait and wait. And it makes me wonder if God wants us to wait. The ever-present delay between our longings and their fulfillment makes it seem as if God doesn't want us to get too quickly or too soon, that for which we most long. God, it seems, wants us to wait. I don't know if you've had the experience of a movie not meeting your expectations, but I was really looking forward to the second Hunger Games movie. I know the books are strange, it's a bizarre premise, but I love the books, I couldn't put them down, and I thought the first movie was incredible. Since the moment the first Hunger Games movie ended, I've been waiting for Katniss and Peeta and Haymitch and Prim to get back to saving the districts from near certain doom. I was so excited, right up until the movie began. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't bad, go see it, it's great, yay. It just didn't meet my really high expectations for it. The whole thing felt like a a two-and-a-half-hour letdown. Anything worse than a really long, bad movie? Reflecting on my experience in the theater, I'd have to say the moment I was most excited, the moment I felt most engaged, was the moment right after the last trailer ended, and right before the movie began. It was in those few seconds when the screen went black, everybody got quiet, that I felt most alive. Author Frederick Buechner puts a theological spin on this phenomenon when he writes these words. The house lights go off and the footlights come on. Even the chattiest stop chattering as they wait in darkness for the curtain to rise. In the orchestra pit, the violin bows are poised. The conductor raises his baton. In the silence of a midwinter dusk, there is far off in the deeps of it somewhere a sound so faint that for all you can tell, it may be only the sound of silence itself. You hold your breath to listen. You walk up the steps to the front door. The empty windows at either side of the door tell nothing or almost nothing. For a second, 
You catch a whiff in the air of some fragrance that reminds you of a place you've never been in a time you have no words for. You are aware of the beating of your heart. The extraordinary thing that is about to happen is matched only by the extraordinary moment just before it happens. What if the life of joy and peace that we long for is not found when we get what we want? What if the life of joy and peace that we long for is found in the waiting for it to come? What if waiting for God to to act, to redeem, to arrive, to surprise is the key to a life of joy and peace? What if waiting is what we are called to do? Now, in my experience, we hesitate to wait for anything, let alone God, because we don't trust that the second marshmallow will be there. We have a hard time believing that someone or something is actually out there looking out for our best interests or the interests of those we love. We don't trust that our future is a concern to anyone other than ourselves. Well, I'm here to tell you it is. When the French philosopher Blaise Pascal died in 1662, his servant found a scrap of paper hidden in the lining of his coat. It was something he carried with him each and every day. It turned out to be a testimony of something that had happened to him eight years earlier, which Pascal had written down and kept close to his heart. This is what it said. In the year of grace, 1654, on the 23rd of November, from about half past ten in the evening until about half past twelve, fire, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of the philosophers and the scholars, certitude, certitude, feeling, joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ. I cannot tell you when you will experience a moment like Pascal's, when the fire of God's promise burns away all your doubts that keep you from believing with certainty the good news of a God who has come near. I cannot tell you when or where that will happen. If I did, I'd be selling you something. But I can promise you this. If you wait for it, if you long for it, if you seek it, One day it will come. But in the meantime, the only thing that will ever come close to matching that moment is the extraordinary moment just before it happens. And that extraordinary moment happens every single second of every single day. So wait. Wait for it. And discover the joy of, and peace of that moment right before God comes to make all things new.